and welcome to the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club podcast. I am your host for this evening, Mr. Richard Dawson, and I am joined by club vice president and all-round nice guy, Mr. John McDonald, and show producer and also all-round nice guy, Mr. Reese Fields. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Every week, every week. Well, welcome to the podcast again. I'm sorry we took a little break last week, but um, schedule conflicts with uh, Christmas, New Year, getting drunk, watching the Vikings and all that palaver just didn't mean we get online. But we are back with a bumper show. First of all, we're going to cover both games that we missed, which were the game against the Lions at home and the game against Green Bay at home. Then we're going to go over to the most magical moment of the year. Our quarterback, Mr. Kirk Cousins, Kirko Janes, blowing the Gallahorn to set off the Packers game. What an amazing moment for the fans that was. We're also going to think about Mr. Harrison Smith. It could be his last game in a Viking shirt. We don't want to say it out loud, but it really could be. We're going to discuss that. And then, obviously, we're going to preview the Lions game next week, see how that's going to go, especially as we have organised our last fan club meetup of the season. We're going to tell you all about that. So, without further ado... Let's get into it and let's talk about the the Lions and the Packers game. Well, just to ruin Christmas and New Year for everyone, the Vikings decided to play a couple of football games over the period. And unfortunately, things did not go to plan. The Lions game was exceptionally close. I still can't believe that we were in with a shot of winning that game on the last drive, having heart attack quarterback Nick Mullins throwing four interceptions that game. And then we followed it up with an equally dance squib against the Packers just a week later. One of the most depressing games that I've ever watched. Uh, John, what did you get up to over Christmas? Anything decent? Apart from watching Vikings football, nothing really, no. And, well, that was just depressing really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, It was not fun to watch. Not fun to watch either game, I think. Reese, how did you get on? I... Uh... I saw some Vikings football. I slept through one of the games and had to suffer as the producer of the show to rewatch it. So if anything, I wish I rather had, you know, stayed up in my drunk state and, and tried to enjoy the Packers game in that way. But no, uh, lots of family, lots of alcohol and uh, too much Vikings football, really. Yeah, it's always too much Vikings football when we're losing. I apologise on behalf of the Vikings for you having to rewatch that game. It was eye-bleeding stuff. But uh, just recapping the Lions game, again, just going back to the fact that we actually could have won that game on the last drive. I don't want to say that the Lions are frauds, but I think that this three seed that they find themselves in is going to be well and truly tested in the playoffs if a team as depleted as ours was and as poorly as we played in elements could manage to nearly beat them. Um, I think if they come up against a half-decent team in the playoffs, they're going to really struggle. Although I'm I'm not a person that would uh, wish ill fate on them. I think um, I think it'd be great for them to have a, a proper run in the playoffs. Good for the division, good for football. Uh, I just think that, you know, with the, the result against us and the way that they played and then the result against the Steelers at the weekend, um, I think they're going to really struggle and uh, potentially shows up the quality of our division this year. But, uh, John, what did you think of the Lions game? Any positives to take out of it? As you said, it was closer than it should have been. We we should have been out of sight after four interceptions in that game. But we hung in there. And as as you say, the Lions, I think they're going to be found out in the playoffs once once they get there. I think it looks like they're going to get the Rams. So Matt Stafford back at back in Detroit, going to have a point to prove. I think it's gonna they're going to be found out and put in their place, really. 
Yeah, I like the sound of that playoff game. I think uh, that's one to look out for, really. There's uh, there's there's very few playoff games that, that come up that you think, yeah, I'm going to sit up and watch that if you're a if you're a non non fan of one of their teams. But uh, I'm quite looking forward to to staying up and watching that one. Reese, what did you think of the Lions game? Uh, closer than it should have been. It was a weird one that you know you you say your quarterback went for 411 yards through two touchdowns, uh, four interceptions. Feels like it shouldn't be in that number. You feel it should dominate the game, but uh, for some reason there was very little in the way of trying to run the ball. Uh, I think we ran the ball. 10 times in the entire game which if you're going to try and be a balanced team especially with your backup quarterback and you can't be throwing as often as we threw it works with Kirk it doesn't work with uh, Nick Mullins even if you know his gunslinger attitude did give Jefferson a chance to be Jefferson uh, you can't justify the way that game was managed it was poorly managed from both the sideline and from the quarterback yeah I think unless your name's John Wayne you don't come out of a gunfight on the winning end many times and uh, Nick Mullins is certainly no John Wayne and coming off a week where Ty Chandler the rocket man runs for 132 yards handing the ball off to a man for for 10 snaps is... eight, att- eight, eight attempts he had on the ground eight attempted run wow I think that's yeah, two of them came to uh, or came from Alexander Matheson which is almost criminal one because Alexander Matheson was still injured and two that the week that Ty had the week before you'd just think giving the ball a bit more you know see if we can keep our defence, our depleted and knackered defence off the field for a bit longer and just grind the game out. And I think that a bit better clock management, a bit better game management, I've seen some, I'm going to say it, horrific takes on social media this week calling for all sorts of coaching changes, which I think is just obscene. But having said that, I'd like to think that Kevin O'Connell will learn some things from this season and, and learn that Potentially, we do have to be a bit more pedestrian at times and just run the football, grind the game down uh, and see what we can we can take off the clock and, and keep our defence off the field. Exactly that. We've got to run the ball more. But another huge thing you have to think about, especially from a coaching point of view, is how many coaches have had four quarterbacks, you know, start for them in a season and each time, you know, when you put each of those starters in, it's been a fully justified position. Cousins starts the year, you know, electric, gets injured. Hall comes in, gets injured. Dobbs plays well the game in Atlanta, comes in, starts the next couple of games, gets a couple of wins, falls off the boil completely by the Raiders game. Mullins comes in, wins the game. Mullins comes and uh, then blows the season. So, you know, what can you, what you can't almost put it on the coach even though he's had to rotate his quarterback so many times and throw the ball so much he's set up in a way that works for this team um but it desperately needs some running back help i would like to see o'connell's give up offensive play calling i think he, he needs to take control of the whole team and i think he's i'd like to see him give up offensive play calling and may, maybe take it over when he feels he needs to sometimes but that's what i'd like to see I think it's too much for he's planning himself too thin. Do you know what, John? I don't disagree. I think um, from what we've seen of him in interviews, what we've seen of him post game, what we've seen of him, um, you know, in front of the cameras, he is quite obviously an exceptional team leader, an exceptional leader of men. Um, some of the post-game interviews and some of the post-game locker room speeches are just spine tingling, and I, I love to see them. But um, 
it's a team game and everyone's got their own little piece of the jigsaw and maybe he's taken on a couple of too many pieces. Can't give it to Wes Phillips. The odds are he won't be with the team next year. I don't see, you know, uh, the Vikings organization is one that doesn't stand for any misdemeanors. Uh, Wes Phillips DUI is, it hangs over the team. It's probably been an unnecessary distraction going into the Cincinnati game. Um, I don't know how much of an effect it might have had on the psyche of some players. It's definitely not one, one that's made O'Connor wanted to relinquish any control. And the works of the Wilfs have never really stood for, you know, trouble off the field. They've always, you know, been quite quick to get rid of someone. They got rid of Jeff Gladney on suspicion of, you know, a battery. And it's something that we've seen, you know, for years. We're not the Eagles. We don't take players who have got troubled pasts, really. You know, there was always something about, oh, the attitude of Randy Moss or Dalvin Cook. They were good players and they didn't have, you know, major scandals leading up to them being drafted or anything like that. This is a team that doesn't stand for nonsense. And that's why I feel Kevin O'Connell's the right head coach. And I don't have an issue with calling the plays because I know he's always there. The right mentality for what this team is. Yeah, as a guy that, that came from a Super Bowl winning team, coaching an offense to win the Super Bowl, you'd like to think that he knows a thing or two about calling plays. And with the weapons that we've got, you'd like to think he would like to make the most out of them. I think he's learned a lot from this season. And I think that um, understanding who he's got and understanding the team he's got. And let's not forget, I mean, I thought the culture probably couldn't have got any worse when Zimmer left. And there was some horrific stories coming out of not talking to rookies in the corridors and, um, you know, just not getting people in, not, not having that one team culture and the turnaround in culture at the, at the, at the franchise over the past two years has been nothing but exceptional really. And I think that O'Connell and Quasi have been at the absolute forefront of that. And this year Flores as well. So my, um, my disappointment is more that I feel like we potentially let him down maybe in some areas, um, having built that culture up of the team, but there's been so much adversity this year for the Vikings. Um, I've like, I, I probably looking back over the past couple of weeks, I might've been wearing some purple tinted glasses thinking that we were, um, you know, going to pull through, but it's, uh, it's been a tough old season. I'm, I'm glad you came and said Kwesi in that because there's been a lot of hate on Kwesi recently for the most ridiculous thing ever, uh, which is a still frame from the game against the Packers, where he sat there laughing whilst we're down. If anyone watches the full clip, he's laughing because there's a delay on the Jumbotron to what's actually happening in the field. We've seen that because we've been in the stadium. You see there's a delay. He's watching the Jumbotron, picking his teeth, and then sees his teeth, him picking his teeth on this Jumbotron and can't help but laugh. But people like to change that narrative. For some reason, some people don't like Kwesi who has taken what was a mess of a cap situation and, you know, bought in a good head coach, bought in talent, spent the picks wisely. Everyone can say what they want about Lewis Seen. You know, he finally got a tackle in, in the NFL this weekend. So maybe things are trending up. We don't know. I highly doubt it, but we'll talk about the safety position later in this show. But it is, I, I think Quasi's doing a great job and I think he just needs this offseason to focus on depth. Yeah, I think that the, the whole leadership team has really brought something new to the Vikings. And I think that the, the culture has definitely changed. Some of the progression that we've seen from some of the players has been nothing short of incredible. I think that Flores has managed to get every ounce of drop of blood out of our defence this year. Uh, we've had a lot of adversity in players going down, 
I'd like to send some well wishes to the Hawk because uh, his injury is particularly devastating because I think he was very much showing the, the NFL that he is um, in the conversation for number one tight end in the in the game. And um, to get an injury like that is really disappointing. But hopefully he'll come back stronger next year. You know, medical advancements, um, ACLs tend to be a, 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 almost a minor injury now. But um, yeah, not, not career enders like they used to be. But moving on to the Packers game, which was horrific to watch. I don't mix my words on that one. I'd like to stick up for Hall at this point because the boy is thrown into a game that he probably should never have been thrown into. I'm a Sunderland fan and we've got a a major game this weekend uh, against Newcastle in the FA Cup. And if you were to drag one of the kids out of the under-21 squad to to start up front and see if he could fire us some goals and beat Newcastle, then I think that's an unfair ask. And I think that's exactly the same thing that's happened to Hall in this situation. But John, what did you think of the game? And do you think Hall should have been started? I've been calling for Hall for a little while now. I think what he showed in the uh, in the Atlanta game that he played in originally before he got knocked out uh, was really promising. But this weekend, I don't think he showed showed the best of what he can do. I'd like to see more from him, but we'll have to see down the line. Yeah, I think I think it'd be crazy to judge him on half of a game of football against the Packers at home when we were so depleted. Uh, but people have and people will. Um, I think I had a, an interview with Kevin O'Connell saying that it's not a full stop on what we think of all and uh, he will get some more opportunities in the future. Um, but I think that's really setting back. I think we've almost thrown away Hall's career and I don't take, I don't say that lightly, but it, how many how many stories do you hear of quarterbacks that have games like that and then come back to have a really good career in the NFL. I think it's uh, it's could be a complete confidence destroyer, um, which would be really unfortunate. But um, yeah, we'll see how his story pans out. Would it, would it be with the Vikings? Will it not be with the Vikings? Our quarterback situation is uh, an ongoing conversation. But Reese, what did you think of the uh, Packers game? Farcical. Probably the best way it's going. Farcical. Um, I don't put it on hold. Because I, I look at it as you, like you said, you got a rookie quarterback, and you take him in the Atlanta game. There are no expectations for him to do well. The team's in disarray. We've just lost our starting quarterback, and we look like we could be the best team in the NFC. There is no pressure on him in that situation. Go to this Packers game. It's complete flip. All the pressure in the world. We need to win this game. We need to win this game for our playoff hopes. And you're doing that when, granted. That he's got Jefferson, he's got Addison. But when you're a young quarterback, you always look for one position. And it's the tight end position. And they call it the safety valve for a young quarterback because it is. If you're not sure where to go, you go to your tight end, which is what he did in the Packers game at Lambeau, up the middle to TJ Hawkinson. He's lost the best tight end in football. And he looked like he had nowhere to go. Uh, yeah, ball security is an issue. Too many strip sacks, um, too many fumbles. <laughs> but that's played the whole team this season. I won't put that on him. But the whole game was farcical. Didn't think Martin's did any better. You know, we only looked like scoring when Najee Thompson forced the one real bright spark of the game and caused a fumble and recovered his own fumble on a punt. Um, a few defensive standouts. I- IPJ, I'll say, you know, him and Cam Bynum leading the team in tackles. We're going to like I say, I'll keep alluding to how we're going to talk about the safety position. Uh, middle linebacker needs to be talked about as well. Um, 
Jordan Hicks' contract is expiring. IPJ, we got him for two more years on a undrafted rookie deal after this season. Um, of course, Troy Dye is expiring, but you got Brian Asamoah. You know, there are some good young talents in this team. And if you can keep hold of Flores, why not lean on that youth more? Yeah, it was nice to see that you mentioned Ivan Pace before I did this week. Um, I'll, I'll never have bad words to say about him in a in a defence that looked horrific at the weekend. I think he was one person that might have come out with a bit of credit. Um, as you say, Thompson, those two plays, that, that huge tackle um, from the punt was just insanely cool. And then the um, fumble recovery from the kickoff, you know, I think without that, we're even more disappointed than we are, but that was the shining ray of light in an otherwise horrific game. John, did you manage to catch the game? What did you think of it? I did manage, I did manage to catch the game. I just thought it was horrendous from the start, from start to finish. There was really nothing, no bright spot, spots in the game at all. The defence just looks tired and exhausted and run dry, to be honest. Coming into the season, we knew this defence wasn't the best defence we've we've seen on paper. What Flores has got out of it, I think he's got every ounce of blood out of this defence, as you say. But I just I think they're bur- finally burnt out. But on offence, we're so depleted. I think we really missed the hock. He's that good safety valve over the front, over the middle for people. And we kept on trying to get out to Jefferson, both both quarterbacks, but he's just coming off an injury as well. So people need to remember that as well. Yeah, I think the way you get out to Jefferson as well is your O-line giving you a little bit of help. And I think Bradbury and Ingram had their worst games this year by a comfortable margin. And as much as I don't like saying it, the Packers' defence is not bad, not bad at all. In fact, some people would say it's pretty good. And if you are up against a, a quarterback that you know is a rookie quarterback in a massive game, the only thing you're going to do is send pressure. And our old line needs to know that. And they need to be better. They need to protect him a little bit more. And they just didn't do that. Um, and I think it was it was a, a controversial decision calling for Mullins in the second half. I think um, if you're gonna if you're gonna put some confidence in Young Hall, I think you need to see it through. So I'm go- I'm going to come straight in, Rich. If you don't mind. Um, the Packers suspended their best cornerback in Jair Alexander. They were without one of their other leading quarterbacks. I forget the name of him. Of course, they're going to send pressure. It was, you know, the fact that the offensive line knew, should have known there was going to be pressure the whole game. You've got to. It's like us. We've got young secondary and experience. We send pressure. We should have known that. We practiced against pressure all week. It was completely inexcusable. You say it was questionable putting Mullins in. I get why you put Mullins in. He's got more experience. He can escape. He might stay in the pocket, bend up more under the pressure. Hall's got escapability. Dobbs would have just run in the wrong direction, probably. Um, but it was just complete farcical. Um, offensive line performance, like I say, up the middle, terrible. I think Bradbury was like, oh, we can make the plus here. I don't want to get hurt. don't know what Ingram was thinking. I mean, he's never been. He's improved a lot this season, but uh, it was just so frustrating. Yeah, difficult to watch. And... I think the Packers basically did what we should have done all game. I mean, our our pressure just looked non-existent considering we'd been exceptional at it all year. So let Love have so much time. I can't believe how many dropbacks I saw him make, drop back after drop back and have so much time and, and, and be able to just, I mean, again, 
I don't want to be critical of Flores. I don't want to be critical of our defence, but it seems to be that we've got to week 17 and people are now thinking, if I can throw the ball between 10 and 30 yards against the Vikings, I'm going to make a reception and we're probably going to score score a touchdown. It, 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 it's too, it happens too often for it to be a coincidence. Uh, that area of the field is something that we really need to work on. Um, and it's it's uh, it's not been acceptable these past couple of games. It's uh, it's been pretty poor. But hey ho, we are by some Christmas miracle still potentially in the hunt for the playoffs, which is uh, absolutely crazy. But uh, and another Christmas miracle that happened at the weekend was uh, everyone's most controversial quarterback stepping up to the Gallahorn and giving it a bit of a blow. So I just want to take the next. I'm sorry. What now? Well, you know, what I mean, uh, I just want to take the next couple of minutes to discuss what happened there and uh, and get your thoughts on it, Reese. So as one of our fan club members have posted this week, it is minus three in Minnesota at the moment. But something that got us a little bit hot under our collars was a shirtless Kirko blowing the Gallahorn before the game against the Packers. Reese, what did you think of that moment? I'm torn. I'm really torn because I don't know if that was goodbye, because it felt like it was his chance to say farewell to the fans at the bank. It should have been his, if he was leaving, it should have been his last game. Of course, he's injured. Um, I mean, the the reception he got, I haven't heard, uh, you know, we were there for Adrian Peterson, but on TV, it just felt electric, so loud, you know, everyone was so happy. I think the fans, the fan base now, having experienced Three different quarterbacks, one, you know, two who have started in the league before, one rookie in different skill sets. Kirk's as good as we've had it in a long, long time. Uh, better than Keenum, not made of glass like Bradford. As much as I love Teddy Two Gloves, not, you know, they're not on the same planet when it comes to being quarterbacks. He is the best quarterback we've had since Brett Favre. And it, really, we need to try and figure out a way of keeping him. Which is hard to do when you've also got, you know, defensive player of the year caliber on the other side that you need to try and re-sign. So big claim, big claim. I think I think we could probably do a whole podcast on Kirk Cousins and still not touch the surface. He is uh the enigma of the NFL. I absolutely love him. I think before he went down, I could see his skill set and what that provides to the Vikings. But having seen three quarterbacks come in and try and do what he does or even try and stamp their own style on the game. It is tough to watch. And I think um, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And with Kirk Cousins, that that is never a, a never a more true saying said. Um, I, I'd love to see him suit up next season. But I understand that, that that's potentially a difficult question because we've got other needs on the team. We've got other things to do. John, what's your opinion? What did you think of the Gallahorn blow? It was beautiful. And I, I don't think that was goodbye from Kirk Cousins. I hope it wasn't goodbye from Kirk Cousins. I know there are a lot of fans who think that he is overpriced and overpaid, but I think it, this season he's proved exactly. This season has proved exactly why he's not overpriced and overpaid, and that he's given us he's absolutely everything. He loves Minnesota now. I think he absolutely he fits in with the whole Minnesota vibe. But yes, it was beautiful to see him. Yeah, blowing the horn with his son, shirtless. Displaying all the chains. We love him. I, I just think it was a, a, a quality moment. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I think the um, the narrative that that is 
I am Kirk Cousins. I am Mr. Minnesota, and you have not seen the last of me. That 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 came over loud and clear for me, and I want to see more of it. Um, whether that is a short-term deal, potentially a little bit cheaper because of his injury and coming off the, the, the back of that injury, that might help the team pay some players that they need to play, still retain a little bit of cap space and still get some people in. We've got some good picks next year. Um, I think we've got anything from pick eight to 14, depending on what happens on the last game of the season. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But, you know, you'd think with some people that we do need and some people that that we need to pay, um, it might be challenging trying to get him back into the organisation. But um, let's not forget Patrick Mahone's sat for a year and a half behind a quarterback before he emerged as, as, as a quality player. Um, I'd like to think that, that, that we could do that and help a rookie quarterback by giving them Kirk Cousins. That is a gift to me. It's a gift for a rookie quarterback to play behind Kirk Cousins for a year and learn from Kirk Cousins and learn the system and learn the organisation. There's no better gift that you could give. And having been Christmas time, it'd be nice if we could uh, get Kirk back in the building next year and, uh, and lock him down. But speaking of players that we also might not see next season, Harrison Smith is, uh, is due some money and uh, we're going to discuss what happens to him now. So Harrison Smith, a man who we didn't know whether we were going to keep last year, but has stayed with the squad, is due a boatload of money next year. And it wouldn't be particularly detrimental to dead cap space to uh, to, to not see Harrison Smith in a Viking shirt next season. But just as we're discussing this, we are getting some breaking news that another former Viking has become available. Reese, what are you hearing? Yeah, so we, we alluded to it earlier. The Vikings need help on the ground. Um John, what would you say to having Dalvin Cook back? Because he has mutually parted ways with the Jets uh, in the aims of landing with a contender. Uh, we might be a contender after this weekend. We don't know. Um, but yeah, Dalvin Cook is now a free agent. Uh, last year, it was everyone was a bit torn whether we keep him or not. It was more more of the money issue that we didn't keep him, to be honest. I think this year has not been his best year. I think the decision to get rid of him this year this year was a good one, given what he has shown for the Jets. But we know what he can still do. He, he always showed up for us. So if we can get him on a cheap deal, I don't see why not. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you see some players move on and not really produce the magic that they've produced in the team that they've moved on from. And maybe that's the uh, that's the story with Dalvin Cook this season. I know his brother James has had a phenomenal year and uh, uh, with the Bills, but in in the other half of New York, Dalvin Cook has had a completely forgettable season, absolutely dreadful behind uh, rookie, well, second year rookie Brees Hall, um, who is uh, who was coming off the back of a major injury and we didn't I think the Jets didn't really know if he could reproduce the magic, but uh, he certainly has. Uh, and probably the, the one of the only plus points of the Jets franchise this year has been uh, has been Brees Hall. But Dalvin Cook has suffered because of it. Would I like to see him back in a Viking shirt? I mean, it'd be nice that I'd have another current jersey uh, in in my lineup uh, if he returned to the to the squad. But uh, I don't know. They do say don't go back. So it'd be interesting to see where he lands. If he doesn't land with us, Reese, where else do you think he could land? Baltimore is my gut feeling. Um, it's a team that has been hampered by injuries, especially at the running back position. Uh, Dalvin Cook is electric. He has got that game-changing, game-breaking ability. 
it'd be interesting to see how it would work in a team with Lamar Jackson. It's a complex system, but if there was the room and if he would take that, you know, that pay cut, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow that ended up being the one. Miami, of course, is another one. Uh, it's a home city for him. It's been a weird one because, of course, they look quite strong at the running back position um, now. Somehow they've gone through injuries, but they seem to always bounce back stronger. And, well, never say no to San Francisco adding some random weapon on a, uh, a rookie minimum deal. Let's just also not count that out. If uh, if Chris McCaffrey, if his calf injury is a little bit worse than they're letting on, then uh, they're going to need someone. Uh, Miami seems to have a revolving door policy. If you're injured, you sit down and someone else comes in and then they get injured and they sit down and someone else comes in. It's been an odd season for them at running back. Uh, their, their, their rookie, Archain, has been... Uh, H-A-N, Arche, he changes his, the pronunciation of that name every week. But he's been uh, exceptional when he's been on the field. But again, injury hampered. Baltimore's an interesting one. I would love nothing more than to see Dalvin Cook get a ring before he retires. I think he's been very deserving of it. And then bringing the conversation right round to um, the comparisons between Harrison Smith. The reason we got rid of Dalvin Cook last season was because he was about to earn a boatload of money for a, for a veteran running back. And we just couldn't stomach it, I don't think. He had a thousand yard, over a thousand yard rushing season. But when you look back at some of the snaps and some of the plays, you don't really know how he got to a thousand yards. His average uh, carry per per snap was was under five yards, I think. Um, I can only make, I can only remember two big cuts that he made. One against the Bills, I think, which was like an eighty-six yard touchdown. Um, that was a, a cracking play, uh, and another big another big run that he made. But the rest of it was was very mechanical and very. Um, and very methodical but uh yeah it's an odd situation with cook and and really is it the same with smith do we keep him on thinking that he's going to be the player that he is but very expensive it's a tough decision to make well you answered your own question there with cook for starters because you're right he spent a lot of time getting hit in the backfield having one two yard games but then boom out of there nowhere here comes 80 yards here comes 50 yards here comes 75 yards you know that's how he got those large plays it was some impressive scrimmage yards the touchdown against the Colts will always you know stick with me as one of my favorite touchdowns that he scored for us with Harrison Smith it's a tough one uh John and I he is you know one of well he is John's favorite player for me he is one of my favorite players you're looking at a position now where you have re-signed Josh Metellus uh Cam Bynum has been exceptional in coverage all season, I'd like to say. I know I'm probably biased there. He's, he's my favorite player, but the guy didn't give up a touchdown in coverage. I think it was until the Saints game. Um, and that was a weird, you know, Jameis Winston lollipop. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird one. I look at the money he's due being, you know, 19 million. You save 11 million if you cut him before June 1st. You could even cut him some point in March when around free agency begins you save 11 million and when you've got players like cousins or hunter that you might want to bring back when you've got young talent on good contracts josh metellus is not making the world of money can buy him is still on his rookie deal there will be someone who becomes available i'm sure as a safety as well that can help bolster that you never know lewis c might actually turn into something i mean we're talking skeptical there but you know i i still don't want to give up because 
I felt so bad seeing him go down last year. But for me, I love the hitman. I wish he would stay. I'd love him to stay. But he's not going to restructure. Um, he's 34 years old. He'll be 35 going into next year. You know, you're going to pay him the best part of 35 million over two years. I don't see it happening. I, I think you take the dead money. You you take your seven mil dead money this year, your three mil the next year that follows, and you, you look towards the future, which sucks. But it's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I think when you look down the priority order of things that we need next season, unfortunately, um, Smith starts to fall down the pecking order. John, I know he is your favourite player and you might be looking through some uh, very biased glasses, but uh, would you like to see him stay or do you understand the reasoning for letting him go? I completely understand the reasoning for letting him go now. He's given everything for this team. He's been on this team as long as I can remember, really. He's he, he, I don't know. I don't know why I've got such a connection with him. He just, I just love the way he hits at, at the line. He's just brilliant. He, he just sums up the Brit, British value. He just something British about him. Just running up and smacking someone. It's like a watching a rugby play or something like that. Yeah, it's brilliant. But yeah, I think if we can't get a restructured deal that's really beneficial for the Vikings, unfortunately, it's time for him to go. And I. I can't see him being picked up anywhere else, really, either. I'd like yeah. to see him retire as a Viking. Big shame if he doesn't, but I understand what you mean by that Britishness. I remember the Bills game last year when um, when Josh Allen dropped that snap and Smith almost seemed to go into some sort of wormhole because he dived into that pack to try and retrieve that ball and uh, and, and and didn't come up for air. And uh, it was somewhat great to see, almost like a, a defensive line of a, of a rugby team trying to stop a try. I just, there's something about him. And uh, he's a great guy, great personality. Um, again, I won't mention his melting cheese antics, but um, it, it, it'd be a big shame if he left. But so many reasons for him to say, a few reasons for him to go, a few million reasons for him to go. But, uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting decision, uh, whatever happens to Smith next year. But, uh, yeah, speaking of this season still and what's got left to come, we have got one more game against the Lions to come. So let's see what the guys think about that game. Well, here we find ourselves in the final week of the NFL regular season. And by some unbelievable situation, unbelievable miracle, we are still potentially in with a playoff shout. Reese, what needs to go down for that to happen? Too much, if I'm being honest. There's too much that needs to happen. Uh, first of all, the Vikings, they need to go into Detroit against a pumped-up Lions team play, about to play playoff football in front of that crowd that is going to be crazy for the first... You know, I can't remember the last time the Detroit Lions had a home playoff game. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, we have to beat them. Uh, then, Kyler Murray needs to pull out more heroics and beat Seattle. Uh, you know, he's already shocked the world by beating Philly. Why not do it again? Then we need a favorite from Chicago. Chicago need to beat Green Bay. Um, there is nothing that helps Chicago here. They, <laughs> you know, the worse result for Chicago, the better in terms of their draft. But, you know, some guys want to go out. This could be some guys last chance in the NFL to play. Uh, if you don't play well, you won't ever play again. So you've got to have something to play for. Uh, then the games where people might actually want to do something. So uh, Atlanta win at New Orleans or Carolina win against Tampa. Now Carolina aren't going to win against Tampa. 
Carolina will struggle to beat a high school team, I reckon, at the moment. They have been that poor, terrible to watch. The worst football team I can remember seeing in a long time. I think there have been 0-16 teams that have been better than Carolina. Um, so, yeah, Atlanta need to beat New Orleans, which, you know, they've got some genuine interest in doing that because Atlanta, if they can beat New Orleans, they win and the Bucks lose, you know, it's happening at the same time. They've got to win because the only chance the Falcons can get in the playoffs is they have to win and the Bucks have to lose. They've got to go for it. Um, so, you know, the one that scares me the most in that, that's out of our control, is the Bears. Yeah, it feels very Ocean's Eleven, doesn't it? Everything's got to happen at exactly the right time, exactly the right situation. This uh, isn't Ocean's Eleven. This is Fast and Furious. All right, <laughs> that's how unbelievable it will be if we can if we can pull this off. Well, there's been nothing fast and nothing furious about our season so far. So let's see if we let's see if we can see something in the last game of the season. But uh, it's only been furious, Rich. Come on, <laughs> we've been furious, but <laughs> I'd like to see the players get a bit furious sometimes. But uh, yeah, I was uh, I was on a podcast with the uh, the Irish Bears show before the season, and I joked that. But basically, they said, um, "What would be the one thing that would uh, that would make you smile uh, going into the season?" And I said if Justin Fields got injured, having them just traded away the first pick of the draft not to get a quarterback, and then if Justin Fields got injured, uh, and now we're asking him to beat the Packers so we potentially get into the playoffs, I feel like a bit of a, a, bit, a, bit of a fraud asking, asking him to do us a favour now. And um, I, I mean, the big thing is, have we got a hope in hell's chance of beating the Lions in Detroit? Uh, uh, maybe. The, the, the pressure is off. No home crowd. Um, but it seems it feels like a very long shot for us to be able to do that. The Falcons, um, their kicker coup, who is just incredible, could 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 do something magical and uh, and something our kickers have not made, managed to do much over the past of uh, of of winning games and and helping us in playoff situations. But uh, you you never know. It's it's it be the absolute pinnacle of Vikings football for us to be so down in the mouth talking about the last two games and then all of a sudden make the playoff in the last week. It'd be very Viking-esque. Uh, what, do we, what do you think, John? Have we, we got a chance? It would be typical, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't think we've got much of a chance, to be honest. We've, But that's the thing about the Vikings. There's always that. They always give you that sliver of hope. That chance, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. It's the hope that kills you, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll have, to have, uh, we'll have to have a new flag, new tattoos, new club tattoos. It's the hope that kills you. You can't join unless you get that tattooed underneath your lips or something ridiculous. But uh, it's, 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 it's going to be a good game, hopefully. I'd like to see us at least go out on fire rather than... Uh, uh, rather than melting in flames uh it'd be nice to see us you know make some plays yeah it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting one uh, and speaking of interesting ones i believe there is a london meetup organized for the event yes there is a london meetup it's at the hippodrome casino uh good old hippodrome uh we've organized you know some seating in there for the uh for the game it should be a good one uh if it's not a good one as we all say, misery loves company. Uh, so come be miserable with us or, you know, witness the biggest miracle since Case Keenum through Stefan Diggs, because uh, it, it needs to be a miracle. Uh, and I'm going to say it 
Vikings by one. That'll be our miracle. Wow. That is uh, that is very optimistic. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that at some point during the three and a half, four hours with the football, we would be in a position where we make the playoffs just to give us that twinkling of hope. Uh, and yeah, thanks to the Hippodrome Casino, the, the home of the NFL in London, really. Uh, they've been very good to us over the years of hosting some events for us there. So uh, yeah, get down there. Stand shoulder to shoulder with your Vikings brother and sister and uh, let's see the season out and see how it, how it goes down. John, you're looking forward to it? I always look forward to meeting up with my fellow Vikings fans. As you say, misery loves company. It's always good to talk Vikings football instead of sitting at home and talking about it over chats or whatever. There's nothing like sitting with another Vikings fans all around you and just enjoying the game. Yeah, get down, enjoy yourselves and uh, uh, and hopefully see some twinkling of hope and, uh, and we'll see how it pans out. But, uh, but that's all we've got time for on the show this evening. It's been uh, it's been eventful. It's been nice to speak to you guys. Um, I'd love to, to, to talk about a victory one of these weeks. Um, <laughs> that'd be much, much nicer. But uh, unfortunately, we've not, not been able to do that for the past couple of weeks. But fingers crossed. When we come back next week, we'll have a, a story to tell. So uh, so thank you from me and Happy New Year. Hope 2024 is good to everyone. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, goodbye gentlemen. gentlemen. Did we do it? Was in, that in time? In harmony, boys. In harmony. Nice yes. to hear. What a way to start the year. Yeah, what a way to start the year. We'll, we'll, we'll have more of that. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you again next week. ta
I will defend Nick Mullins because someone has to. 